episode 199, 199 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest and or conversations on anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. If you have an editorial you'd like to read or have us read for you, let us know by emailing it to us at podcast at anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Burn the bread book. Industrial communism will not liberate you. From rattle.me slash wiki by Zeke. This essay, available on Zig's site and also in the book To the Desert Maker, demonstrates the immiseration of daily life when we are aware of how we participate in and or benefit from terrible things that happen around us, but are unable to stop, as it is our mere presence that makes us part of the problem. On the face of it, this text is an argument against any idea set that doesn't address resource extraction, but it is also a warning that the dreams of a better world are so often and so deeply limited by our imaginations. Quote, I'm confident anyone reading this knows Stalinism is designed to enrich the bureaucrat class and give them complete control over the state's citizens. No anarchist sees that shit as communism. But in a real communist society, an anarcho-communist society where money, state, and class have been abolished, the local baker would presumably still bake that bread. And since it would be offered freely to everyone far and wide, he'd need to bake a lot more of it and thus need more wood. More forest would be raised to keep the bread production going. Everyone living in the village and anyone passing through and people in faraway cities will expect to have as much gourmet bread on their plates as they desire. More bakeries would need to pop up on the mountain as demand rises for delicious bread in the cities below, with the rural population working hard and doing their duty to feed the hungry urban population. Unquote. Letter from Russia. From Crime Think. Information about the large and exuberant protests that are happening in more than 100 cities in Russia that apparently are less in support of Navalny, who by many accounts is not the people's choice, but because he presents a clear call and people are mad. Quote, Many people here seem to have seen Belarus as an example where repression and police violence didn't force the rebels to back down. Chants and messages of solidarity with the struggle there can be found in many of the gatherings today. This fills us with hope not in the sense that two nationalisms are greeting each other, but because these struggles are breaching their national borders. Every beach that the wave of insurrection makes is different. We all have different contexts, but we can also find common cause, resonance, and inspiration. We can find resonance with those in Belarus who rally against an oligarch whose grip may be slipping, with those who defend themselves from the police, and, most importantly, with those who, at times, manage to outpace the politicians whose experience of repression was among the original catalysts of the unrest, unquote. Keep us alive and vibrant out there from It's Going Down. An interview with Eric King by Black and Pink out of Tacoma, Washington. Quote, question. What's something about being in prison that you feel like people outside don't understand and need to know? Were there expectations you had about prison that shifted once you were incarcerated? Answer. I'm not sure people realize or care about the amount of psych games these people play. It is violent. Withholding mail for weeks or months, claiming you don't have any, searching your cell and vandalizing your family photos, placing you intentionally around people who wish to harm you. I've seen cops lie and tell a group a certain person is a rat just to get that person fucked up. Happens all the time and isn't limited just to unit cops. Medical will see you on your deathbed and say you just need more water. People die because of this gaslighting. You file your grievances as you're supposed to and get told they never got filed, that you are lying. It's a miracle there aren't staff murders every day. Instead, people internalize this bullshit and give up, or turn anger on fellow convicts instead of toward the system bearing down on them. It's an effective spirit breaker. 
I honestly thought in prison it'd be us versus them. It isn't. It's us versus us while they laugh and manipulate us. It's devastating. Unquote. Write an anarchist fucking prisoner today. Interview with the team behind Antijob.net from Anarchistische Grope, Amsterdam. Antijob.net had an appeal out last week. This is a talk with them with more about the function they serve, which is as a source of worker-based information about companies. Quote, Reality can be changed, but only the workers themselves can do this, if they understand their position and will fight for better working conditions. The mission of our collective is to promote direct action in solving labor conflicts and create a place for coordination of forces in the class struggle, as opposed to the judicial bureaucratic system, which in fact acts in the interests of our class enemies. To do this, we collect and distribute feedback, which is the voice of the workers themselves. From these, we form a database, the Blacklist of Employers, and the internet indexing mechanisms help to spread it, unquote. Their tactic for maintaining validity of submissions is interesting. Quote, we also highlight the underside of hired labor. We have rules. Only negative reviews get to the site and the employer is wrong by default. We call this the employer's presumption of guilt. This is how we sift out the countless number of self-praisers that splurge and prevent us from seeing existing problems, unquote. No need to call this project anarchist, but yay worker solidarity. An interview with Peter Gelderloos, part two, from Terra Nullius by Alexander Dunlap. From colonial trauma to ecological resurgence. Postgrad writer Dunlap continues his conversation with Peter in his continuing effort to connect academia and anarchist thought into something that he can profit off of. That said, it's a more interesting interview than most Peter gets to participate in, since Dunlap is more interested in anarchy, notice what I'm not saying here, than most of Peter's interviewers. Quote, this ends up converting decolonization into a more exclusive, hyper-specific academic language that doesn't really give a lot back to struggles. This would be ironic since it's definitely anti-colonial critics that point out how academics are certainly capable and trained to exploit the natural world, exploit social movements, exploit lower classes in order to set themselves up to portray themselves as the producers of knowledge that actually doesn't belong to them. If somebody considers themselves a decolonial or anti-colonial scholar, if the first thing that they're not asking themselves when they wake up every morning is, how can I contribute to the struggles against ongoing forms of colonialism, then we can say there is something wrong, unquote. Hmm. A Farewell to Aragorn by Le Mauvaise Herbe from mauvaiseherbe.nublogs.org. A belated but charming note about A's significance in the scene and a poke at those who, quote, think they're the high priest of the holy insurrection, unquote, who didn't appreciate A when he was alive. For once, it wasn't the collective that added the tag fuck325. This post aims people at the text that is coming to stand in for A's unique perspective, locating an indigenous anarchism, though arguably his blog or book would be more representative. Some anon comment got removed because it complained about this farewell being a year after the event. Grief makes its own schedule, dear anon. English Romare number three from romare.noblogs.org. Romare number three is mostly international reports of actions, many of which are already online. There is a short write-up of an autobiography of Evgenia Yaroslavskaya Marcon, a contemporary of Makhno's, and a vagabond and rebel, what seems to be a memorial of someone who committed suicide, maybe, and there's a piece on the catastrophism and a chapter from Audio's Prison. Constructing an Anarchism, Collective Force, from Libertarian Labyrinth by Sean Wilbur. Here, Sean elaborates on the links between and or progression from governmentalism to group force, and there are two bits that stick to me. One, Sean's explanation for Proudhon's premise of individuals as groups. This is a different approach to the topic that a friend brings up regularly, 
which is that our obvious bodies are falsely distinct from the rest of the world, surrounded by connections that are harder to see but very significant, and two, how finding new words, which may be old words, can help us. Quote, when I discovered Proudhon's social science, hiding in plain sight, of course, in works that looked very different once I was able to understand them in the context of that developing project, I gained both a useful set of analytic tools and a vocabulary that didn't rely on turning the language of government, hierarchy, and authority back on itself. Having already begun to think of anarchy as fundamentally descriptive of structures, a descriptive language that could emphasize forces and their dynamics, owing as much to physics as political science, was welcome. And as a tool for suggesting potential renovations of anarchist theory, it had the combination of qualities that I have come to think of as close to ideal. It was at once new, in the sense that it is unfamiliar to most anarchists, and as old and orthodox as just about anything in the tradition, being the glue that holds together property as theft and je suis anarchiste in one of the most influential, if not always the most clearly understood, of early anarchist texts, unquote. Of course, it was just a matter of time before reading Sean's writings got me to start thinking about sidling up to Proudhon. God damn it. About the statement of the libertarian workshop Alfredo Lopez in Havana. From A Las Barricadas by Octavio Alberola. Translated by Anarchist News. This is a personal and brief response to a post from last week, which does feel like coming in in the middle of a conversation between two other people, and from which I mostly take the humble messages, one, we can respect each other's differences, and two, we don't know what will bring about this change that we long for. Quote, how can we deny that we have not yet been able to change the course of history and that anarchy continues to remain a hypothesis? Unquote. With bloodshot eyes and the dagger in the neck of the beasts from anarchia.info, translation by Anarchist News. This is the complaint against the quote, red and black, unquote, gaining ground in anarchist circles. Red and black here apparently meaning people who are anti-capitalist, but not necessarily more than that. Quote, we anarchists do not fight only against capital. We fight against the state, against all types of states, against all power, against all authority. For us, there is no difference no political ideological distinctions. However, sometimes we forget that many of those we now call comrades are actually authoritarians who were defeated in their attempt to impose their dictatorship and did not manage to come to power, but certainly those are their intentions." Unquote. This is a charming statement of intent, citing Eric King and a number of other anarchist prisoners and stating, quote, it is important to make it clear that a subversive or autonomous position does not necessarily mean having set aside the idea of the seizure of power and the imposition of an authoritarian society, unquote. Note, we are adding the beast to the growing list of attempted names for the enemy. Free Hacker, issue two available to download from freehacker.neocities.org. A minimalist updating of Hack This Zine, this issue has just four short entries. Origins of Anarchist Hacking, which divides the topic into three categories, the free software movement, crackers, and cypherpunk. There's a piece on hacker music that includes a list of values, like act foolish but be wise in private, a piece on why activists need strong encryption, and the final piece, the internet will have borders, which is arguably a known known at this point. Anyway, this is sweet, and my only hesitation is that what makes it interesting to me will also make it interesting to our enemies, but perhaps that is a symptom of out-of-date thinking. I just read a Joe Walton short story in which a biographer makes the subject of her biography into a stealth weapon that she wants him to be, in a future where his old techniques might be useful again. 
Anyway, thumbs up on this project. May it, may it inspire much chaos. Prioritizing in the face of the social avalanche from Alas Barricados, translated by Anarchist News. This is apparently a response to people's concern about the going silent of the Anarchist Federation of the Grand Canarias, or the FAGC, which turns out to have been a response to chronic, not critical oppression, which forced this small group to focus elsewhere for a few days. Quote, However, the issue of migration has been the element that has collapsed our militancy the most. Our projects, assistance and housing, have been saturated like we never imagined. Necessity has broken protocols, and self-management has had its trial by fire. Health crisis, brutal media and street xenophobia, and lots of desperate people. A horror movie, but with real lives and suffering, and it's not over yet. What uh, We do what we can, but it is not, and will not be easy. The necessary resources are in the hands of the inept, unquote. Audio and video. The totality is incomplete. On Immediatism podcast, 25, 31, 39, and 25 minutes, respectively, from immediatism.com. The totality is incomplete is a collection of reviews, companion to the spectacle of society, from the Anvil Review, an experiment with how anarchists engage with the world outside of ourselves. The first essay on offer, Gollum in the Catacombs, is a meditation on technology, cyborgs, and capture. Quote, the new apparatuses of social networking also begin to quantify informal power, the very informal power that has always held primary importance, even and especially in the institutions of formal power, which could not work without it. In likes, friends, and followers. But this version of informal power is not the kind created by protagonists. It is the kind produced by a mill wheel set spinning by a hundred chained bodies each chasing after their own loneliness, unquote. Check it out on littleblackheart.com. Militant Joy featuring Carla Bergman, an hour and 27 minutes from Coffee with Comrades. Here, host Pearson talks with Carla Bergman, co-author of the book Militant Joy, put out by AK Press. For those who've heard Bergman speak on other podcasts, the topics discussed will be familiar, namely D slash unschooling and the idea of rigid radicalism, which is, quote, congealed and toxic ways of relating that have seeped into social movements posing as the correct way of being radical, unquote. Oh, and also a lot about The Dispossessed, a book that I'm not sure I actually trust any anarchist interpretation of, as illustrated here by Pearson's framing the book as an example of the need to be hypervigilant towards hierarchy and to stamp it out any time it rears its head. Hmm, I think someone mentioned The Last of the Masters last week. Killing King Abacus on Immediatism Podcast. 15, 15, 41, and 10 minutes, respectively, from immediatism.com. Killing King Abacus was, quote, a publication that was only produced twice, though it lived on as a web board. Despite its short run, it had a profound influence on anarchists in the U.S., especially on the West Coast, as it brought Italian-style insurrectionary anarchist thinking to North America, as translated by Wolfie Landstreicher. It also featured commentary from Sasha Kay, Layla and Wolfie on the topics of the day, unquote. Here, Immediatism presents an introduction to and three pieces from KKA covering insurrection, nihilism, and much more. The security state, far right, and media post-January 6th, an hour and 33 minutes from the final straw. The first half of this episode is an interview with, quote, researcher, writer, activist, speaker, and political consultant, mm-hmm regarding far-right movements, unquote, Spencer Sunshine, who I think is no longer calling themselves an anarchist, on, of course, the events of January 6th, and far-right slash white nationalist slash neo-Nazi groupings generally. Now, because Spencer is on the show excitedly discussing their research specialty, 
the whole topic comes off as being a bit overblown in terms of its importance to anarchists. I mean, is it fascinating and perhaps useful to understand the various factions inhabiting something called the right at the moment? Sure. Does it seem super necessary to have incredibly granular data on said groups if we're not in a battle for political power? Not so sure. The second half is a conversation with a member of IGD and a member of CrimeThink concerning the continued, quote, purge, unquote, of anarchist and radical projects from corporate social media. There's actually some decent discussion there in terms of what anarchist projects can slash should really be doing on places like Facebook, but goes a bit off the rails when they start talking about making said platforms a little more horizontal with their presence. Hey, remember that open letter where everybody was super upset about anarchists getting kicked off Facebook? Anarchist News remembers. Facebook more horizontal, that's awesome. Dual Power, a simple explanation, 30 minutes from Black Autonomy Podcast. This is the second episode of a podcast featuring Jonina Abron Irvin and Lorenzo Combo Irvin, which is, quote, produced by a collaboration between writer William C. Anderson and members of Black Rose Rosa Negri Federation, unquote. You said Negri. I, Negra, whatever. Ne- there is a Freudian slip for you. I'm going to leave that in. So, yeah, much like the first episode, this whole thing feels like it's straight out of the 60s and 70s, complete with calls of giving power to the people, raising mass consciousness, and bringing people a program. I guess the anarchism is meant to come in through discussing direct democracy and building dual power survival programs or something, but seems a bit threadbare. This is you, Mad Bro. Again, we're talking about Sean Wilbur's course, Constructing Anarchisms Again. This one is called Collective Force. Yeah, the main thing that I, the main, yeah, the main part of this entry that was evocative to me was um, the Proudhon quote. Well, actually, it's Sean's restatement of Proudhon's point talking about individuals being uh, unity collectivity collectivities and how that is not only something that I feel like I have been playing with in my whole life um, on a, on a more psychological level. Like I used to uh, just the idea that we have lots of, we have lots of personalities in us. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so and that they can have contradictory desires and different motivations and different agendas. And we are working with them um, all the time. So that's one long time thing for me. But then also, uh, as I talked about in the podcast, we have a friend who talks about how we are composite beings all the time. There's bacteria and stuff inside of us that is absolutely part of us being able to be in the world and be alive um and that they so that even just our bodies are not just our bodies as commonly understood so like that's on a sort of scientific biological tip um and obviously is talking about something different but it, it just all it's, it's an interesting conglomeration of different ways of thinking um about the question of whether we're individuals or members of a group. And since it troubles the boundaries between those two things, I feel like it's super helpful because I think that that's an old 
stuck paradigm that makes it, for example, it makes it, I, I have a very hard time dealing with Sterner, which is potentially because the people who generally focus on Sterner in my life have been um, super intense and frequently kind of assholes. Um, and so there's a lot of like, yeah, baggage in the history or something. Um, but even just the idea that, just the idea that we're individuals is, I'm not, I, there's not a lot of play, I guess, for me in that mm. um, concept. Just to just to read part of the quote from Sean, quote, every individual, whether a human individual or a group united by active association is also a group, a unity collectivity. The unity of the individual is a matter of internal organization, which may be simpler complex. The internal relations may also involve greater or lesser degrees of intensity. Yeah, so I think there's something obviously about understanding ourselves and our own bodies as being less bounded than we normally think of them. But there's also, I think, something about scale in there in terms of mm -hmm. it seems like there's an argument that anarchists should keep things small just because it makes things easier in terms of you not having to deal with as many people or as many decisions. Whereas there seems to be another side of this where it's anarchists should keep things small because it's already so complex at one level that you're that scaling that up just doesn't even make sense. So there's this idea that anytime you're in any kind of grouping, even with just yourself, you're already negotiating multiple people in a way that's maybe not necessarily talked about when people talk about an individual most, most of the time. Yeah. I think that there's a, maybe I'm not entirely sure I'm make clear on the connections that you're like, what are the distinctions between the first two things that you said? So one of the reasons to keep things small is because there's, because it just gets too complicated when there's more people. Mm -hmm. What's another reason to keep it small? So you keep it small by having 10 people because you just then have 10 people and personalities to contend with. Whereas there's an, it seems like maybe not totally separate, but somewhat distinct idea that you're keeping it small to like 10 people because really you're navigating those 10 people, the relations between you and all the relations that people have within themselves. So it's this kind of mul multiplying factor of people. Are you talking about the difference between political agendas on one side and the sort of personalities on the other side? It's more that it seems like there is an argument for keeping things small because that keeps your ideas small and at a level of complexity that is easy to understand. Mm. But then there's another argument, it seems, that keeping things small is already incredibly complex and that there's going to be a negotiation of no matter what size you're playing on. Mm. And I guess that does have something to do with messing with the distinction between politics and personalities if you're already working at scale when you're just yourself or just two people or something like that. What do you think about the the question of member versus individual? Member versus individual? Yeah, like member of a group. Can you explain your question? Yeah, people talk of, like there is a ten, there are tendencies in anarchism that tend to focus on groups and the power of groups and how groups are, are what empowers us and what's important and we need to have more anarchists because you know and they need to there we need we need to have bigger groups because that's how we're going to make change in the world and then there's the the tendency that is you know groups are dangerous um and they have a tendency to sully our our motivation our agency our whatever um and that the core you know the 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 the, the revolutionary subject <laughs> is an individual. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I, 
you know, and I, I, I tried to work within that split for a long time and I don't like it anymore. And I don't think it makes sense. And I, and I think that there's lots of people these days, and this is one of, this is what I got out of this thing, which is why I brought it up this way is that that's, that split is, is incorrect. Mm -hmm. Like we are actually members of group. We're influenced by other people, regardless of whether we're on our own or not. And and we're individuals even when we're in groups and we're not individuals in the sense that everybody thinks of us, you know, thinks of ourselves as individuals because we are, you know, what it's not even about people. It's about the things that are, that make us up in our bodies are so like on all these different levels, we're, we're not alone in the way that egoism seems to be presenting us as being, nor are we, you know, nor, nor, nor are we just members of groups, obviously. So yeah, so that's, does that clarify the question? Yeah, definitely. And there's the sense of like constantly having to do this move, zooming in and seeing that you're made up of a lot of different things and potentially different people, and then zooming out and seeing that you're not necessarily just another piece of a blob and if you're working with other people. So it's this kind of constant moon of between seeing yourself as something distinct, but also understanding that you're not. That seems like the... The idea that you're not a bounded individual in the sense that you have a lot of different things that make you up and potentially people that make you up, but also that you're sometimes experiencing yourself or always experiencing yourself as a bounded individual. And that does make sense in certain capacities. Like you're not just a piece of a blob. If you're working with other people, you are kind of something distinct, but also more than that, I guess, is what makes or sense. different than yeah. that, maybe. But... So did you, have you interacted with the, with these threads of, of membership is one thing. And like, you know, that, that split that I started talking about first that I still think is like what is most common, of course, in you, at least in U.S. anarchism, like, have you engaged on those, in those arguments or, or watched other people? I mean, I've watched other people and the, I mean, the extremes are what you were describing where it's working against some sort of us or general society tendency to want you to be a bounded atomized individual by joining together getting the most number of people possible so that you can create change learning to share with others and things like that versus the most extreme individualist end of that's actually the thing that people are telling you that's false that we need to be together that you need more than yourself or that your interests your personal interests are not actually what's important and it seems like those two ends are constantly going at each other. When you said that, it just made me think that, oh, good, let them go at each other. Mm. We, I want to go, I don't want to, like, let them, let those people who want to do that fight with each other. And I want to go over here and do something else. And if they're fighting with each other, then that leaves me free to go do something else, which I'm not sure why I thought that, but it was a funny thought. Mm -hmm. Which kind of reminds me of the feeling I was getting, not that this is necessarily related, but listening to Spencer Sunshine talk about January 6th in terms of how concerned people right. should be about that instead of like, huh, this is happening. Maybe we should let that happen and see what happens, see what ends up. Yeah. This, the, the places where we think we both can and should we, the places where some anarchists or some people think that we both can and or should intervene in political stuff is curious which seems to be how much do you consider yourself a member of some larger group like what how do you place yourself in a group that's affected by january 6th and in some way obviously everyone is because it involves 
politics, but in so many ways it doesn't really involve anarchists because why why would this be something that we need to intervene in when it's people vying for political power? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and there's always that thing about we're representing the, the, the voiceless or the helpless or the downtrodden or, you know, we have to do it because 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 we we slash other people we care about are going to be attacked by these people. And so we have to, as if our intervention on any level in that way is going to stop. But yeah, I, I mean, that's the disconnect for me is that I, didn't, I do not see things that we do as being impactful, but that's an argument that nobody can really win. So mm. the eight hour day, what did it came, what did it come from? What did the civil rights, you know, what did civil rights come from? Like, you know, yeah. Well, this is fading away into nihilism and depression. Yay. Woo. Nothing matters. Nothing we can do is relevant to the bigger world. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, so I've been telling all these people that I'm super stoked about this guy, Bio, Dr. Bio somebody or other, um, who was on this podcast, Rune Soup, um, and he... Uh, the two of them talk about how, but especially Bio talks about how, um, you know, the intervention, he, he talks about post-activism and, and post-activism is a recognition that the ways that people try to intervene in situations are absolutely part of the situations that they're trying to intervene in, which is, you know, which is the deepest thing that post-left had to say. And uh, when it was lucky, it said that. And yeah, and and what people who have been talked to, been trying to be critical of Antifa have been trying to say for years now. And, and it's, it's awesome to hear it from this other perspective. That's super different. That's not explicitly anarchist at, at, at all, but, but is actively anarchist is like actively saying, you know, the system doesn't work to fix the system's problems. You have to get out and getting out is a deeper, bigger, more intense thing than mo almost any activist or organizer or whatever the fucking mm -hmm. label is, is going to recognize. And, um, and yeah, so. And that it doesn't feel necessarily feel good is what rings in my head, but I don't know if that's actually part of their conversation. Yeah. One of the things they talk about that's so great is how we are not humans. It, it's also post-humanist or not humanist at any rate. And and talking about how we, you know, humans act like we have all this power and we don't. We are in relation to all of the other things in the universe and all the other things in the world. And we pretend that that's not true and that that, you know, and that that whole, that also is part, it's the same. It's, it's all part of the same conversation. It's us acting like we have all this power, us, all this agency, all the agency. Um, and we, and we don't. And so one of the things that we can do is slow down and be, and watch how other things, watch what happens. Mm -hmm. It's, it's startlingly Nikon on one level, very different direction for, to this, to a similar message. Yeah. The, that things will happen regardless of what you do, minus the, but the essential proletariat will also do the revolution. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. Or that we know what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's that too. Like, there's that added humility from the rune soup people that 
we don't know what the answer is. Mm -hmm. And so maybe getting out of the way is more relevant mm -hmm. than trying to force our will on reality. And bring it back to the Sean piece that people are already this kind of unity collective, even when they just think they're by themselves. The fact that people don't necessarily experience that as being a thing, let alone understand it. Yeah. And then trying to circumvent that by joining others and thinking that you're part of this huge big thing definitely seems to be part of the same process of missing missing what's actually going on by thinking that you have all this power because you're with other people or something like that. Yeah. I think that's a good end. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. The What's New was written and read by Chiseling Greg. Also, You Mad Bro with Chiseling Greg. We hope this podcast is useful too and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give, us feedback, and the, give yeah. us feedback and constructive criticism Love by it. email at podcast at anarchistnews.org. For more information and usually some good commentary, see you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site, anarchistnews.org. To learn more anarchist and blue books, pamphlets, and other material are available at littleblackheart.com for news by and or about anarchists and up to the minute commentary. See you at anarchistnews.org and or the anarchist news IRC chat room linked on A News and or the anarchist news plurama antisocial with dots. Uh, well. yeah.